All right, boys. So you know I've struggled with pain. You know I've struggled with weight loss. You know I've struggled with anxiety. And you know I've struggled with sleep. What if I told you there was a place that could help you with all of these things? True Life Dispensary. Pain relief without narcotics. Sleep, weight loss, anxiety relief. You can find this at 117 West Commerce Street in Hernando. Hours, Monday through Friday, 9 to 7. Saturday, 10 to 5. So check them out and get your life turned around. Tattoos have become more of a normal part of society. And, you know, one of the things that's a common mistake that people do is they just go anywhere, you know, closest place, maybe whatever's convenient. And a lot of times they get a piece of art that stays on them forever that maybe they don't like so much. So let me help you and eliminate that problem. Go see Jeff Lee Watts. Easy Flea Tattoos. You can find them on Facebook or Instagram, and you can find him at 1731 Dancy Boulevard in Horn Lake. Number is 662-280-0763. Hold up. Frank. Headshot. Frank. Sit down. Frank. Stand up. Frank. Pass out. Frank. Wake up. Frank. Fade it. Frank. Fade it. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. And Jim, tonight we got episode two titled Diamond Stud because we got Ole Miss baseball player Derek Diamond joining us, man. Few days out from baseball season. I know that you're excited. I'm excited, but Jim, I got I gotta go to you, man. What is the most important thing that is gonna happen this weekend for you? Well, I don't know, man. You just said episode two. We're two days away, and our guest wears number two. And I'm gonna be watching him in two days in Swayze. That's the most important thing. I'm going to be in Swayze with my son and what I figure to be a packed-out ballpark for opening day of college baseball. That's what's important. Um, we got, I don't know, what, like 50 guests out there that's going to be chasing that elusive national title, Daniel, and it all starts Friday. Yeah, man, it, it's, it's going to be awesome. I know coming off last year, the whole ride to Omaha and – I, I think you're excited. I'm excited, man. And I know our guest tonight, Derek's going to be excited. So let's not mess around. Let's let's get to him. Let's get right to it. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview and in podcasting this week, Ole Miss baseball stud, Derek Diamond. All right, Derek, my man, how we doing tonight? Awesome, awesome, Daniel. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, we are blessed as always, and I, I know you, like us, we're getting geared up for, for baseball season. It, it, it's here. Um, we It seems like just yesterday, Jim was texting me nonstop and Omaha talking about what was going down, but, um, you know, with that, before we jump into baseball, let's let's take a step back. Sunday was a big day for football fans. And I, I, I think it's important for us to note, like you're a West coast guy. Are, are you a Rams fan by chance? No, no. I mean, they're, they're relatively new to the West coast, but I was pulling for them. All right. So, so who's your, who's your team and, you know, outside of your team was, 
you were all right with the Rams winning? Yeah, I was. I was. Coach, uh, our coaches have a little thing after our last inner squad. It's usually Super Bowl Sunday, and they, they ask us to uh, pick a squad. And if we pick right, uh, we don't have to condition. You know, we, we get a couple free conditioning passes. So I had to go with the Rams. Uh, I mean, Joe, Joey B is, is a stud, and he's ice cold. But um, I thought the Rams were pretty much better at every position. I mean, you, you must have been sweating the start, you know, the start of the second half, really, up until about, you know, the clock hit zeros because it, it was anybody's game up until that point. Yeah, lucky for me, uh, you know, we're not allowed to throw any money on it, so I wasn't sweating too hard. <laughs> but but the, uh, the run-in definitely was in the back of my mind. Uh, you know, it was a good game. It was better than a, some Super Bowls, so I was, I was stoked to see that. You know, there's a there's a couple of your teammates I know that like the gamble, so that's a lie. <laughs> hey, uh, no comment, but uh, <laughs> we're not allowed to do it, so we stay away. Um, my hey. favorite team, man, I like the I'm, I'm a Bolts fan. Go Chargers! I know they moved, but uh, my Mike Williams jersey just came in, it's hanging up in the closet right in front. But uh, Bolt ganger, don't bang. Uh, okay, I want to I want you to be be honest. I want you to truly dig down deep here and ask yourself. Who's a better quarterback, Justin Herbert or Dak Prescott? Justin Herbert. Oh Lord! All right, this this, this interview is over. No, it's all been right. a hot it's been a hot topic on this podcast all season. Hey, I'm telling you, I uh, I listen to a lot of Cowherd, and so uh, he rubs off on me. And Dak Dak's a stud, and the, the Cowboys should have been better this year. Uh, I mean, they should have won a playoff game, but. Uh, Justin Herbert, man, he's he's a, he came in and immediately made an impact. I think took Dak a few years. I mean, you're right. You 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 are right. But right. but I'm a Cowboys fan, and I'm not going to agree with any any beliefs that you have about <laughs> the Chargers or Justin Herbert or anything in regards to Dak Prescott not being better than him. So. Right. Right. Well, he's, right. he's also an old Miss guy, Daniel. So, I mean, Dak's a Mississippi State guy. Naturally, he's got to go the other way regardless. Uh, you know, when I see Dak, like when he was at Omaha, like, uh, you know, cheering him on in the final, I was like, all right, that's that's super cool. So, uh, I like Dak. I'm, I'm, I'm a Dak fan. But he's not better than Herbert. Sorry. All right. I, I can respect that a little bit, you know. Um, you know, I, I did, you know – you know, we do a lot of research, and, and we, we came across a picture on the Twitterverse. It's out there. Um, it's you after the Omaha Challenge, and, and dude, like, I feel like you are a spitting image of Michael Phelps. Is, do you get that? Or, or are you hiding gold medals that people don't know about? What's going on here? Man, uh, no, I got no gold medals stashed away. Uh, and I haven't heard the um... – I haven't heard the Michael Phelps comp, so that's pretty cool. Uh, I have heard a, a Justin Herbert though, so uh, so that might be why I had to choose him. Oh, but man. but have yeah. you medaled every year that you've competed in the challenge? Yeah, um, like overall, I've won it all three years. Uh, like when I was coming in and I was watching the season, Ole Miss, which is like you know such a great not only recruiting tool but just the coolest thing you know that any school does. I watched the Omaha Challenge videos, and I was like, all right, I'm not the strongest. I'm not the fastest, but I think I'm going to dominate in that. It's just like, you know, everything I like. It's you kind of got to be good at a little bit of everything, which is, you know, my thing. I don't even win any of the events, 
the only event I ever won was swimming my sophomore year. Uh, but man, just getting, you know, top few in each of them, uh, Omaha challenge is awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later, but man, let's, let's go back to the beginning. Let's, let's start there. Obviously telling your story, we got to, we got to start from the, from the ground floor and work our way up, man. So talk to us, tell us a little bit about where you're from and what it was like growing up there. And what was the household dynamics like? Were you, you know, big brother, little brother, you got only child. How, how did it flow in the house? Cool. Um, so I, I grew up in the same house my whole life, 18 years till I graduated and came here, small town called uh, Ramona, California. It's, northeast san diego it's a uh, it's a cool little town it's pretty big you know geographically but not many people um i think we have well you know i say not many people but then i come to mississippi and people tell me they come from towns of like a thousand people so i'm like all right <laughs> maybe not the small town that i thought it was but ramona is a super cool place I, I went to kindergarten with the same people i graduated with played baseball uh with the same kids you know for years and so it's an awesome place it's uh it's not exactly the coast. I'm not no, you know, surfer, surfer boy. Uh, it's actually closer to the desert in the mountains. So I love, you know, I took what I can get out there and it's sunny every day. So I love to be outside. Um, didn't go to the beach as much. Like I said, I'm about 40, 45 minutes from the beach, but love to hike uh, up in the mountains pretty much every day. I'm back home and uh, anything outside really. Jim, being stationed in San Diego, you ever made any trips to Ramona? I cannot say that I have. I was the guy at the beach that he's not hitting. So, but you know, I, I'm this whole California thing's got me thrown. You know, he's up in the mountains. You know, Brooks Lee told us he's off on a ranch. Like, I don't. I mean, California apparently has everything. Oh yeah. I, I mean, it's it's a big state. It's a big state. It's it's not Florida, but it's. It's, it's there. <laughs> he lives in Florida. If you haven't figured that out, and Florida boy, cowboy fan, come on. I know, uh, right? Everybody needs to get on board with that train, man. That's that's the money train. Yeah, Jim, you you were stationed in uh, San Diego, so that must mean Coronado, right? No, I was not at uh, Coronado. I was at uh, Point Loma. Okay, cool. I mean, just just as cool. Yeah, no, I got to look across the way at Coronado every day, which is beautiful. So um, I got the scenery. So no, no complaints there. Yeah, it's hard to complain about any coastal city. In look, look, hey, this this podcast is about you, but I got to tell you, Derek, uh, I was stationed there for almost two years. It rained maybe five or six times the entire time I was there. No, no joke. So I take my wife out there for the first time and tell her that. The first day it rains the entire 24 hours and just makes me look like the worst liar in the world. I was like, I promise you. I was like, it's not like that. But the rest of the week ended up being exactly what you expect out of San Diego. So I got some redemption. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, like you said, it it never rains. And if it does, it's one day and then you're good for the next three months. But uh, even in, being in Ramona, we're, like I said, a little closer to the desert away from the coast. So we get even less rain than, you know, you got in Point Loma. Uh, I loved, you know, I, I wanted to, uh, I thought I was sick of the sun. I was like, it's always so bright out here. Like I want to, I want it to rain. And then I spent one uh, winter in Oxford and I was like, all right, I like the sun. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's gotta be, you know, pretty cool to be able to go out and, and especially as a kid when, 
you want to be outside and you know every day you're going to have the opportunity to go outside there's not going to be anything like holding you back so with that like what sports did you play growing up were all the sports available to you because of the just abundance of sunshine and and beautiful days yeah you know that's that's exactly right my uh my dad's from both my parents are from northern illinois and uh they moved out right before i was born i think 19 like november 99 they moved out and my dad tells me it was just so i could grow up in the sun you know he's from chicago so he said baseball season was six months and it was too cold uh so yeah and, and my dad you know being a big influence on me he he pushed me into every sport i could play you know i remember playing t-ball playing soccer uh, I wrestled, played basketball. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. It just uh, – that's why places like SoCal and Florida have so many athletes just because you can play everything all year round. That's – I mean, that's what I think. So you, you mentioned your dad being a, a, an influence, and obviously I'm sure he was an in, inspiration along your journey, um, especially, you know, leading up to high school. But um, what – you know, what were your favorite athletes growing up and who were your biggest inspirations growing up? All right. Uh, well, I was a shortstop my whole life until about a couple of years ago. So my favorite players, uh, guy I was named after, Derek Jeter. Um, my dad loved him. I think he was the, the MVP of the 2000 World Series. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was a story. And I was born January 01. So uh, Derek Diamond was my name. Um, and then Jose Reyes, he was my personal favorite player. Uh, shortstop for the Mets, a uh, ton of swag, uh, and I thought he was a stud. How do, how do you get favorite players on the opposite side of the country? Like, I, like there's, there's nobody on the West Coast, nobody out West? Tell him, tell him, Derek, the same way you're a Cowboys fan in Florida. Don't let him talk to you like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well... Khalil Green was a shortstop for the Padres growing up, and he was super cool. But the Padres were uh, not so good ever until this year. Uh, so I never was a – you know, I was a Padres fan, but the the players pick and choose. Uh, some guys I love, Cameron Mabin, uh, Trevor Hoffman, Jake Peavy, um, you know, the, the hometown heroes. But the reason that I liked Jose Reyes – well, Derek Jeter, because, you know, my dad loved him. I was named after him. Jose Reyes was – my dad would uh, subscribe me to Sports Illustrated Kids, and I think he was on the cover one day, and there was like a, you know, a centerfold or whatever you call it in the middle. It was a poster of Reyes just swagged out with the uh, with the dreads and, you know, all kinds of crazy colors playing short. And I think, you know, when you're a kid, you see a cool picture, and, and then they're your favorite. Daniel, like how, ins you know, inspiring is this? We talk all the time – Derek, you'd be surprised how many baseball players we talk to, especially that are aspiring to be professional baseball players who don't watch professional baseball. And you just listed off a whole bunch of names from the time you were growing up, just talking about watching them. Daniel, like, does that not just like give you goosebumps because we got a baseball player on here who actually follows the game to its fullest? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I have to have the conversation and the realization that baseball is a hard sell especially as a kid growing up and especially as kids now. Um, but for someone, and, and we're talking to guys, you know, the caliber of athletes, you're one of them, like high elite level athletes going to some of the best schools in the country. You would think like they would spend more time watching their craft, but 
um, you you would definitely be amazed at the amount of or the lack of you know baseball not so much knowledge but like the following of the game that that the, some of these guys have. Um, so it is refreshing to have you on and, and have you be able to talk about players and, and, and insight too. So um, I can definitely respect that. You know, what, one of the things, you know, I, I find amazing is that, you know, you, you didn't necessarily, obviously Jose Reyes is a big name and, and you didn't fall in line with the guys that were closest to you, like, you know, a Padre or a giant or, you know, somebody, you know, a diamondback or, you know, even, you know, the angels, um, that's Jim's team, but you, <laughs> you, 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 you branched out and, and you found somebody that was on a magazine and you're like, man, this dude's awesome. So like that, that's pretty damn cool in and of itself, because like I think every kid can relate to that one moment where they see something or watch something or you know go to something and they see their favorite player. So I think that's pretty neat, man. Let's clear that up, Daniel, real quick with Derek. I can't have him think that the Angels are not my team. I just keep picking they, them. They are a hundred percent his team. I keep picking them every year. No, I keep picking them every year to finally make the playoffs, and they let me down every single year. But I'm gonna pick them again this year. I'm gonna pick it until it happens. I agree, man. They got the two best players in the game. I think it's about time, right? I mean, if Noah Syndergaard, you're a pitcher, so you relate. If Noah Syndergaard can be what he was and stay healthy, that's a big, huge addition to add to to what they got. So, yeah, uh, I hear you. I hear you. But I was about to say, what's wrong with the Angels, man? What are you hating on the Angels for? Well, I'm a Cardinals fan, so he's making me sound like I'm just jumping all over the place. I, <laughs> okay. I, I this is. This is just observations that I've had over the years. I mean, Jim advocates for Mississippi State baseball, is friend, family friends with people like close to the Mississippi State program, but has season tickets to Ole Miss baseball. And if you turn that camera around, he's got a bunch of LSU gear. So I, 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 I am all over the place with him. I'm friends with um, all these guys. What you want me to do? Sounds like a big baseball fan. I, Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I I knew this was how it's going to go down. I, I knew I knew that you guys are going to bond over San Diego and Ramona, and and I would be just the weirdo that is from Florida and likes the Cowboys. You know what? I'm okay. Spot on. <laughs> spot on. So, Derek. Um. Let's transition, obviously, into high school. Like you're, you're an athlete. You're playing most a lot of different sports. Once you get to high school, there's does there become a, a direction, and you say, well, I need to focus on one, or you still work in you know multi sports through high school. Okay, so um, I think from an early age, I always knew that baseball was my love, and I was always you know you know it was what I liked playing the most it's what I had the most fun playing it was what I was the best at so baseball I always knew is you know what was going to move me on but I uh I quit playing I quit wrestling in high school I quit playing basketball in high school and I played football and the main reason was uh like I said I was so tight you know with all my friends I'd gone to school with them for eight nine years already and all my homies were playing football so I was like uh 
man, I got an arm. I could go out and play some quarterback for, you know, the freshman team, see how I like it. Uh, I played one year in sixth grade, but I was not the big kid in sixth grade. So I had a pretty, I had a pretty miserable time. And uh, I tried it again in uh, ninth grade and we had a, we had a super sick team. Um, me and my homies, you know, my, my best friend played running back and uh, a couple other of my boys played wide receiver and I got to just sit back and sling it around. So uh, it was a ton of fun. Uh, kind of, you know, fell in love with it a little bit freshman year. Um, played baseball and I still hadn't hit my growth spurt by the time freshman year came around. So I actually uh, played JV. I was on the JV team and I don't think I pitched an inning. I was, you know, like I said, still a, still a middle infielder at that point. So uh, played short and hit. Um, had a decent year, uh, you know, had more success in football than baseball that year. So that was, that was interesting. Um, but then sophomore year came around. Uh, I was the backup QB on varsity, got a couple of starts when our, our starter went down. Um, we had a up and down year that year. So not as fun. And then went out for baseball and had a great year, you know, kind of hit my growth spurt. One of the seniors that was supposed to start uh, in the rotation went down. So I got my opportunity to pitch and kind of just took off. We had a, we had a good rotation, me and my buddy Bryce and my buddy Creed. Uh, we were really good and, and we really didn't have anybody else other than us three. So we would go six or seven every game and uh, it was a ton of fun. Um, junior year came around. Uh, I backed up the quarterback on varsity again. We had, we had a pretty good guy and we ended up going 12 and one that year. We were 12 and 0 and then lost the section championship. Uh, so that sucks. You know, I didn't get too much opportunity at quarterback, but I punted, I kicked, I played defense. Uh, they would throw me out there when they needed like a cover safety. I wasn't, uh, wasn't much of a tackler, but I could, I could stay with someone. Um, so, you know, I had a fun year, junior year, and then baseball was more the same, uh, same rotation and we dominated, uh, had a ton of fun. And by the time junior year came around, uh, I was starting to get recruited. And so, it felt like things were kind of back to normal and, and baseball was number one again. So you, you said, you know, you, you, it came around again. And when it came around, I just, I want you to sit and reflect on some of these accolades, man. Cause I don't, I don't think, you know, athletes, especially as young as you are, you, you actually like take in the fact that you have, you were two time Valley league pitcher of the year in 2018, 2019. You're three-time first-team All-Valley League 2017, 2018, 2019. And those are, like, big-time, like, accolades that it, it's – not every player can say that they've even had a chance to do that or been in the conversation of that, and you actually did it. Um, so thinking back on those accolades of all those seasons, what season would you say was your favorite? Uh, uh, tough to say, but, um, honestly, I think I got to go with my sophomore year, that 2017 year. Uh, some of my friends, I, you know, my dad had always made me play up growing up with travel teams and whatever. And so I was honestly closer with a lot of the older guys than I was with kids in my grade and, uh, sophomore year, we had a really good squad. Um, we had our shortstop was committed to New Mexico state Cameron. He was a stud. Our right fielder was committed to play at Point Loma Nazarene. Uh, Adrian, he was a stud. And I love those guys. And like being a sophomore, being the young guy, um, I always felt comfortable that way. So I honestly think that's why I had success. Um, 
I had so much fun playing, honestly. It sounds pretty cliche to say, but uh, it felt good to fit in with the older guys and, you know, have a big role on the team instead of just being the freshman on on JV, not really doing anything. So um, part of the the beauty of Ramona is, you know, we're, we're a small town, but we always do good in, in CIF and we play the big schools around San Diego. And, you know, San Diego sports aren't, aren't any joke, like football and baseball, um, studs come out every year so we compete with those schools and it's I think because we're a little tougher we're up in the we're up in the mountains and the desert it's a little hotter um and we we are best friends so uh that sophomore year was so fun we we dominated a lot of schools I'll tell you what I noticed when I was out there we did go check out high school sporting events baseball uh football basketball the speed out west is different than it is down here, out down south. I mean, a lot more speed. That's what people would ask me. I'd say, you know, you don't have as many homegrown country boys, so to speak. But I was like, speed out west kills. You're spot on. That's exactly what I say. Uh, the uh, a lot of the little infielders come from the west, and then the big bombers all all are grown out here. And you know, I saw that coming in. I, I've given up my fair share of home runs already to these these big SEC boys, but. Uh, I think you're exactly right. Jim, I think we, we found the, the secret weapon to success. It's at an early age, just play up. Mm-hmm. How many times have we heard that from people? I mean, yeah. m- male, female, you name it. Like, they, like, the best of the best are always telling us either at a young age or in high school or in travel ball, they're always playing and it, and it was never that they were dominating. They were learning from playing with the others. So it wasn't like I was playing up and I was, you know, killing it. I was playing up, but, you know, I was learning from the guys that were older than me. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we mentioned travel ball, but I guess, you know, my, my lens in Florida is that travel ball is, is, is really a bigger deal than high school ball, the, the school-based league. Um, you, you get recruited, you get put on a map, you get, you know, watched, you get scouted, um, basically through the, the, the travel leagues that you play in. Is that the same case for, uh, Cali? Uh, yeah, I, um, I think I'd agree with you. Uh, it's, I missed my freshman summer, sophomore summer and junior summer uh, of travel ball, which like you said, are the most important years. So I really can't speak too much about it, but um, I played travel ball from when I was nine until I was 15 and, you know, some of the best times of my life. Uh, And, you know, like you said, you high school guys get recruited during the summer at those big tournaments when, you know, all the best players are together. Um, That's just kind of the nature of it and how it works now. So I missed a bunch of those times because I would always be in a football summer camp. But, you know, I was having fun doing my own thing. So uh, I'm not disappointed or anything, but um, I would be lying if I said that 99% of my exposure didn't come from when I went to PG National and got selected for the PG game and the Under Armour game. Uh, You know, the advisor that I was working with at the time, uh, we were were pretty tight. We had a great relationship. And I told him, hey, Mark, I, you know, don't mind missing going to Georgia at the WWBA and getting recruited with all the guys and, you know, going to that fun tournament. But one thing I've always wanted to do is have a shot to play uh, in the perfect game game. 
because it was in San Diego and I'd been going to it every year since I was, you know, 10. And I was like, man, I just want a shot. I just want a shot to go play in it. And uh, so I got an invite to go to PG National right after my junior year. And uh, I was I was thrown in like the first day. It was like the first game. And the two guys that threw before me were uh, Matt Thompson from Texas and Brennan Malone, uh, who went to IMG, he's from North Carolina. But they both ended up getting drafted high that year. And uh, Brennan Malone came out and he was throwing 96, 97. And then Matt Thompson came out and he was throwing 95 with a nasty slider. And I was like, man, I don't even know how hard I throw. I'm not, I don't fit in here. Like, I'll go throw my inning and I'll, I'll get out, I guess. Um, ended up throwing really good. I, I think I really like throwing in domes, like like the Trop in, in uh, Tampa. But threw good. And uh, I think I was up to 93, maybe 94. Uh, but just threw good and got an invite. So that was, a, that was an awesome summer. Hey, so at, at what point, you know, do colleges start start approaching you? The very first time that I heard anything about a college was from my high school coach, Dean Welch, uh, awesome dude, great mentor to me. But it was my sophomore year right before the season started. And, um, you know, I'd hit my growth spurt by that time, started throwing a little harder, and, and I'd always been skilled. So it kind of seemed like it was all coming together. And one day uh, – after practice, Coach Welch called me up. He's like, hey, D, I, uh, I told my friends at UC Santa Barbara about you, and I think they're going to reach out and text you or call you or whatever. And it was the first time I ever heard I was, you know, getting recruited at all and just ecstatic. I, you know, jumped 10 feet in the air, and I was stoked. And, you know, I'd always thought UC Santa Barbara was a sick place and a sick school. So um, I was stoked. And so I think sophomore year, it, uh, you know, started happening for me. And my first offer came. Toward the end of that season, uh, San Diego State, another dope school that, you know, I'd grown up cheering for baseball, basketball, football. And uh, they came to watch me pitch and they gunned me at 88. And it was the first time I'd ever been gunned, sophomore year. And I was like, oh, no way, man, I throw 88. That's awesome. <laughs> Not knowing that, you know, guys out in the South or my age already throwing like 95. Uh, but I was stoked and they called me and said, yeah, you, you looked good today and uh, we want to make an offer. And, um, you know, was, was fired up. So what were the, the top choices? I mean, obviously when you're, when you're saying, you know, UC Santa Barbara, you're saying San Diego state, obviously like the, there's, there's gotta be a list and you've got to narrow it down because um, to me, it seems like there's a lot of schools that would be interested in you, especially with the accolades and the ability. Um, so what were the top three choices in your mind? Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I think, uh, you know, even though I said I was super stoked and excited to be hearing from these schools, I wasn't, you know, getting jumpy or anything. I was totally willing to wait and I was confident enough in myself to where I was like, I'm going to get, you know, a ton of offers. I'm going to get plenty of offers. I'll get to choose where I want to go. But uh, I had good grades in high school. My parents always pushed academics and um you know my dad wasn't afraid to literally throw me into the books and 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 get me to study so I got good grades and uh Stanford um offered me once Stanford offered it was kind of uh it felt like a no-brainer you know between me my family and my advisor uh we were like man this is you know a dream school and it's a place I'd always you know dreamed of so when they offered um 
I was, I wanted to commit on the spot, but uh, my dad told me to wait. I had another visit to go on. I forget where, but I went on that visit the next weekend and then uh, flew right back to Stanford and committed there. So um, it was an interesting ride and I, I thought I'd be going to Stanford. So how does Ole Miss come in into play and how do you inevitably end up there? So the way that Stanford does it with all their athletes, they actually make them apply just like a normal student. Um, you know, Stanford's obviously an unbelievable school with the, I think, lowest acceptance rate at like 4% or something. So um, I wasn't worried or anything. I was like, yeah, I'm an athlete. I have a 4.0. Uh, I'm going to get in. But I needed a 13.20 SAT. So I went in and took it four times until I got it. Um, sent them my scores, uh, my transcripts, wrote my papers and everything. Uh, and then one day out of the blue, all of a sudden they, I got an email saying that I wasn't admitted. <laughs> like, uh, there was no reason. There was no nothing. Uh, all it said is we, you know, regret to inform you. Um, we can't offer you admission at this time. I was actually cleaning my room earlier and, uh, found the letter. So kind of, kind of jogged my memory about it, but that was it. And Dave Asker, uh, head coach and Thomas Eager, the pitching coach were, they are great dudes and they fought for me, uh, but they told me the same thing. They said we went into to admissions and they just told us that they they couldn't tell us why or anything, but you're not admitted. So it was senior year uh, and I think it was November, right in the middle of football season. And uh, the, the rug was kind of just swept out from under me. So I was like, you know, I felt so stable the last, you know, year, year and a half, whatever that I was committed. And all of a sudden I was, uh, I didn't know where I was going. It's uh, absolutely amazing. Like a 1320 doesn't get you in and there's no, there's no explanation why. I mean, that should be a crime. I mean, it, it, at least, it, at least be professional enough to say, Hey, here's why. Like e even, even if it was, you know, we were full or we got somebody better, like at least tell you something. Um, but Jim, how many study halls do you think Derek's had to go to at Ole Miss? <laughs> well, My they, if I understand, they got to go freshman year. If I understood that, but outside of that, I'm gonna say he's been to none. Uh, yeah. He and he, and he probably and he probably doesn't know why we're asking that. But uh, we've interviewed about over the last two years about I don't know 13, 14 of your teammates, and only about two of them can actually say that they're not at study hall on the regular. Uh. All right, so this year I'm out of study hall. I got nothing. Uh, however, sophomore year, um, you know, I'm 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 not a rocket scientist. I just worked hard in high school, and we do not have the best academic uh, culture here at Ole Miss <laughs> baseball. So uh, there was um, a semester sophomore year where I did not do what I needed to do. So I was in a little bit of study hall, um, but I've taking care of business now and you know it's like one of those things like everyone hates school I get it like you could either complain about it or you can get done what you need to get done so you don't get bitched at by everyone I, I knew it I knew it Jim coach B this is a conspiracy Derek coach B contacted Stanford and was like look you need to tell him no because we need to bring the GPA up on this team like we gotta have this guy <laughs> well, uh, well sorry I, coach, I'm Go I'm ahead. gonna keep you. I'm gonna keep you guys even. I don't think I'll be doing too much bringing up. 
what I'm still floored by is we've only had actually one podcast where we had guests live in the studio. We got Ben Van Cleef sitting here talking about his 4.0 GPA. Meanwhile, poor Hudson Sapp is right here next to him saying he's flunking two classes. I'm like, yo, can't you help your boy out? Don't sit here and brag about your GPA and your boy sitting there flunking two classes. As a matter of fact, y'all need to just cancel this podcast session. Y'all need to go, y'all need to go do study hall together. So but yeah, I'm gonna throw Nikhazy under the bus. Uh, that's that's where this all started. Doug, Doug had to we had to reschedule around his study hall, and Daniel hasn't let it go since. Nope. <laughs> yeah, that that's awesome. Because I, I had yeah. so many questions for Dougie, and I couldn't make it because he had to reschedule. And I said, yeah. you know what? I'm not rescheduling my life for Doug's lack of in that, college. That was my that was my first ever solo uh podcast Derek both my guys couldn't be there at the time which Doug did and they were like you're just gonna have to fly solo and so next thing you know I gotta do all three sections and I've only prepared my one and I'm like here we go and so me me and Doug it ended up being a solid episode but yeah so we we joke a lot about it and then you know Leatherwood and and everybody else I don't think I don't think Jake Gonzalez did study hall I think I think he's he's on that uh that group too but anyway Moving on to actually being at Ole Miss, you know, uh, one of the things I want to ask you about, when you look up your profile, Derek, you got nicknames galore, dude. Did those come before Ole Miss or once you got there? Uh, You know, most of them have been around for a while. Uh, I know I got some some goofy ones. Doc has been, uh, you know, the longest one. Um, D3 my uh that's that's my personal favorite honestly that's what my uh my high school counselor called me and his name is Jim Plum awesome dude great mentor of mine his daughter is Kelsey Plum who was the first pick in the WNBA draft a few years back uh broke a scoring record um for NCAA women's at uh Washington so uh just a stud of a dude and uh he called me D3 it was dynamic Derek Diamond (laughs) and so I like that. I just thought it was funny and it kind of kind of rolls off the tongue. But um yeah, most of them have been around for a while. Uh you know, I So why is I Doc the one that sticks now the most? Because when most people refer to you, that's the one. Yeah, uh that's the, you know, honestly, uh because Ole Miss, well, like when Ole Miss will tag me in something, they'll call me Doc or whatever. So it just kind of gets spread out. And uh, I think my teammates like it. You know, I, I got to give shouts out to Kevin Graham for kind of getting it rolling my freshman year. Um, but I'm not I'm not a big first name guy. My dad was uh, my dad's actually a huge nickname giver. I think I get that from him a little bit. So I'm always shooting stuff off and some of them, you know, rattled back to me. Well, yeah, no, and I hear your teammates, especially when you go to like the fall games or the spring scrimmages and like so you can hear everything because there's not a whole bunch of fans there and you can hear y'all communicate and, you know, like, for instance, Hayden Dunhurst is rock and all that. Like you can hear y'all all calling each other by these names, uh, these nicknames that y'all basically all have for each other. So I, I like that, honestly, uh, so much more fun than just calling somebody by the regular name. Yeah, you know, we're so tight. I can't even explain to you how many hours I spend within close proximity to 50% of my teammates, you know, I live with Peyton and Max Trophy. And then literally right next door is Drew McDaniel, Mitch Morrell and Brandon Johnson. And then next door on the other side is Jackson Kimbrell, Cole Baker. And uh, last year it was a, it was a player, but this year it's a manager JR. So man, we literally live together. We eat breakfast together, cook dinner together, go to the field together, go to study hall together. So my point is you just kind of, get to know guys very well and nicknames come about you know Kemp well, is uh 
Kemp Alderman is Diddy because when he, he talks to his, his dad on the phone a lot and he goes, Hey, what up, Diddy? <laughs> so he's Diddy. You know, uh, you know, we've done a lot of studying and preparing for this uh, episode. I didn't know who your roommates were. I didn't know you were, you know, living with a TikTok sensation. You know, uh, we had a little fun with Wes Burton when he came on here and he said, uh, you know, Peyton Chatagnier's uh, TikToks are for all the girls to go wild. You know, so I don't know. Does he spend a lot of hours in the next room practicing in his off hours? Let me say this about P. He, uh, people love him. He's a cute kid. All right. There's no denying it. He's, he's a good looking kid. He used to model, used to model for Hollister. So, um, whenever he, he, and to answer your question, he puts very little effort into TikToking. <laughs> but I think the ones that he puts out blow up just because, uh, you know, everyone loves Peyton. Um, but no, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't do too much. He just gets that stigma. And that's like what, you know, when we go to away games, it's what up Peyton, the TikTok boy. And it's yeah. like, if I was, I think he kind of likes it. I think he uses it as a little edge, like, cause people think he's soft, but mm-hmm. really he's a stud. Like he does well in the Omaha challenge every year. And to do that, you just gotta be tough. Yeah. He was the, uh, I was there when y'all drafted, I videoed it. He was the first pick. So yeah, that, that yeah. tells you everything, but he's a, he's a very fun guy. He, every time we sit over there, he says something to my son, he'll mess with him on the way, way by. You could tell he's got a fun personality and everything. Um, sure. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's, you know, Daniel messing me about being a season ticket holder, but I mean, all you guys, like not just your talent on the baseball field, but just all good dudes. So, and you're 50 minutes away from my house. So why wouldn't I go watch so play? Oh, yeah. uh, but, you know, coming from Cali to Oxford and, you know, you were talking about when you hear about people being from town sizes of a thousand. I mean, was it a culture shock coming from the West Coast down here into the South? Uh, so to be totally honest, not really. Um, I think Oxford is a lot different than uh, the rest of Mississippi. Um, and on the other side of the token, the teammates that I had, the older guys that were here when I came in, like Chofi, like Greer Holston, Taylor Broadway, Austin Miller, they were such good dudes that, you know, brought us in and made it really easy to transition. I mean, when we first came here, it was summer. Uh, not many kids are in town in Oxford during the summer. Um, and so we, we kind of had the, the town to ourselves. It felt like we went to the pool or we went and worked out and threw every day and then went to the pool. So it was pretty easy. And, uh, you know, we listen to more country music in Ramona than they do in Oxford. Uh, <laughs> Ramona's a it's a little farm town. It's like the only reason people from San Diego really go there is because they keep their horses there. So that's why people come up. Um, but we listen to more country music, you know, where I'm from than here. So it wasn't too bad. But, you know, I've been here long enough where I've met people and I'm like, OK, like I didn't even know that was real graduating with 13 people. But <laughs> good on <laughs> yeah. you. Well, your, your freshman year obviously is, uh, is one that, you know, it's, it's not to say be forgotten, you know, you're undefeated. You get your first action against Louisville, you know, all that stuff, but COVID COVID messes up everything. You know, y'all had something rolling. And so, you know, I don't want to hammer on it too much, but you know, just what was it like, you know, the fact that, you know, classes became online, you know, people were scarce around campus baseball, just, you know, stops abruptly especially with y'all on a run like I mean what was that like for you how how did you handle that and you know what did you do in your in your off time man uh personally just like everyone I think it was a it was a shock we were on our way funny story actually we were on our way home from a midweek series at ULM we played them on Tuesday Wednesday and Wednesday must have been March 15th or maybe March 16th 
and we were on the bus and we're watching ESPN on those little uh, TVs on the bus. And it's when uh, Rudy Gobert, I think, was like touching the microphone. And then they were like, Rudy Gobert test positive for coronavirus. And then uh, we're like, oh, you know, we don't know what it is. Too bad for him. Like, what's going on? And then five minutes later, ESPN says the game's got pulled off the court. Literally, they pulled guys off the court and the NBA season is canceled. And we were looking around like, what's 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 going on? And, uh, you know, we're we're rowdy in the back, just came off two big wins at Louisiana Monroe, of course. So we're we're hooting and hollering in the back. And one of the assistants comes back and he's like, hey, everybody shut up. Coach B's on the phone, uh, you know, that that he's on a call with the SEC or something. They're talking about this situation, and we're like, oh, you know, what's going on? And uh, he comes back, and he he comes to the back of the bus, and he's like, look, I know we're opening up SEC play this weekend, and LSU's coming up, but we might have to play with, uh, with limited attendance in the stands. And we're like, oh, you know, that sucks. Screw that, but whatever, we're going to play. And then uh, later they come back again. They're like, hey, shut up. He's on the phone again. And he's he comes back and he's like, uh, guys, we're going to play LSU, but there's going to be nobody in the stands, like no attendance. And we were pissed, but we were rolling. We were 17 and one at that point, won 17 in a row. And uh, we were just stoked to play. And we thought we were going to you know, kick the crap out of them. So we didn't care. And we show up to practice tomorrow. Uh, the next day, sorry. And uh, we go up to our lift after practice and uh, the coaches like, uh, coaches say, hey, we're going to have a meeting after the lift. And we kind of looked around like, oh, you know, this can't be good. And so we go into the meeting and Coach B, you know, he's usually the most well-spoken guy with, you know, all of his points aligned. Uh, and he kind of looks speechless and we're like, oh, and he goes, guys, they canceled the College World Series and the season's over as of now. Uh, so you guys need to all go home and for you guys that are booking a plane ticket I suggest you book a one-way ticket because I don't think we're gonna restart yeah. and you know at that point your heart just drops and you're like what's what's going on like is the world ending the seniors were crying you know some of them were never gonna play again and uh, so it was it was a tough time but uh, lucky for me I got to fly back to a beautiful place in Ramona and got to spend every day outside, you know, hiking, moving around, doing what I like to do. Um, but it was interesting, you know, some of the, some of the places that I would go hike normally uh, weren't really available because literally everybody was home all day. So people were outside working on their lawns, you know, potting their flowers, whatever. And uh, I actually was hiking a spot that I hiked all the time, which I didn't know was private land. And some dude pulled a gun on me being like, <laughs> it was a revolver too. It was some real country dude. And he pulled out a revolver, like didn't point it at us, but he's like, you guys need to get out of here. And I was like, all right, man, I've been here a thousand times, but. That's what you should have told him, man. I've been, I've been hiking this land for years. I, you know, this is my spot. That's what I told him. But, you know, me and my buddies were just, you know, I guess he wanted us go. Somebody apparently had been letting his cows loose, and he thought it was us. We're like, dude, we're not letting your, we're not letting your cows out. Well, it's just you know, it sucked for everyone. Obviously, it's just when we talk to the old Miss guys for y'all, you know, just to be on a run and it to be cut short. I mean, um, I can I can say without being on that team, it's it's worse for y'all than anyone because I mean, you can't. There's no beans about it. If you're winning 17 straight and then it just ends, like I mean. Right now, you're on top of the world, and it just it all, it all shuts down. And then you, for as a freshman, you know, you're just getting into your college experience, and all of a sudden, like, like you said, even though you're going back to a beautiful place back home, 
you know, this is, this is what you've been waiting for. This is your moment. This is your time. And all of a sudden, you, you know, and, and just like everybody else in the world, you don't know what's next. You don't know when you're going back and when you're going to be playing baseball, but you know, nonetheless, y'all do end up back and, um, you know, you get to start your next season, um, at a big league ballpark, you know, you end up going to globe life field, you know, you got the sec big 12 showdown. Um, you know, first of all, what was it like, man, just stepping into Globe Life Field, knowing that you had six top 10 uh, ranked teams coming in there to play baseball? Uh, it was it was freaking awesome. Uh, that was one of the most fun weeks of the year. Uh, but it was, you know, it was funny. We almost didn't get to go because uh, y'all might remember that's when it dumped snow, like all <laughs> over the country randomly uh, the week before the season. Like, we couldn't even drive to the field because the roads were like, everything was closed. And uh, I think we weren't supposed to like be on campus, but you know, we were still having practice because we were about to go play Texas tech uh, TCU and in, in Texas. So, you know, we weren't going to, we weren't going to just skip practice, but they almost like couldn't fly us out. And we ended up having to fly on the same plane as state. So we, we buddied yeah. up with them and uh, flew over and it worked out. And then, uh, I mean, being in globe life is beautiful. Like, like I said, I love throwing in domes and, uh, played great competition uh what three of those teams ended up in omaha or two in arkansas didn't because you know nc state got them but uh it was awesome dude it was a ton of fun we we beat uh tcu pretty good day one beat texas tech in a thriller uh bases loaded up by one bottom of the ninth uh braden forsyth on the bump lets one go and uh I forget who it was, but a lefty ripped a ball to right field, went up, and at first everyone was like, "Oh no, it's gone. We just lost by three. And uh, our boy Cade Sammons hauls it in at the at the track, so beat them. And then I got the start against Texas the next day, and that game that game went great. We got ranked uh, first in the country that morning before we played them, um, you know, which was a little bit scary. I was like, you know, are we going to be complacent? Like, I need. Uh -huh guys, I need you to hit for me. I still got a pitch. Like this is, this is a game too. Um, but we came out and, and rolled. So it was a, it was a killer week. Well, a few things to unpack from that. Uh, I'm actually going to go out of order from what I was thinking in my head because you brought up Forsyth. Daniel, that is who I messaged you about. Daniel actually was a baseball coach at University of Tampa. And so that is where that Forsyth is the one that I sent you is going there now that came from Ole Miss. So um, since he just mentioned him, I thought I'd go ahead and tell you that that, that was the guy I was telling you about. Um, as far as the the weather, I had tickets to Globe Life. I planned on driving there. My car was absolutely buried. Um, so I did not get to make it. But I have done this every time it's been brought up. Shout out Globe Life. I sent them a picture of my car. They redeemed my tickets and everything. And um, I was able to cancel my hotel in time. So I was out nothing. So uh, I wish I could have been there to watch you guys. Uh, but unfortunately, couldn't. Um, and then the Texas game, let's not, let's not overlook that. You know, you, you kind of casually said it, but that was one of the teams that went to Omaha and uh, you got to face them and in that park and get the W. So, I mean, um, for you personally, you know, to start the season that way, like, I mean, how are you feeling? Like, I mean, are you, I know you, like you said, you try to temper yourself, you know, you don't want to get too high, but I mean, you've got to be feeling good about yourself. Yeah. I mean, that was uh it felt like a dream weekend. Honestly, I came out and I'd never thrown 95 miles an hour before in my life. And I came out in the first inning, I was sitting 96, 97. And so uh, from that point of view, I felt uh, great. Of course, you know, I'm like, man, look at me, look what I can do. Uh, 
uh, you know, Gunner hit 96 the day before and we hadn't seen that out of him. And then I came out and, and you know, matched it. So it felt good. And, and, you know, I threw, I threw good. I went a solid six and, um, you know, being so early in the year, it looked like our rotation was just going to be monstrous and unhittable. Um, unfortunately that turned out to be one of my better games of the year. So, uh, that sucked, but, um, it was, uh, it was a great weekend to be a rep. We were ranked number one and then we came out and beat Texas, you know, beat them good on Monday morning. And then, uh, you know, we're number one ranked going into the next weekend. Yeah, it actually it actually says when you read up on that weekend, um, one of the highlights is that you hit 97. And, you know, people always question the the guns and everything. I'm definitely not questioning the gun in, in a big league park. So I undoubtedly believe that you hit 97. And so uh, congrats for you picking that spot in that time to go ahead and, and top the gun. But uh, one of I the think things it was I, I think it was the aura of you know, Cowboys Stadium being right there, just <laughs> beaming all that energy oh, over to goodness. Globe Life. I don't know about that. We we got to we got to check out Jerry's World out at our window at the hotel, and it wasn't wasn't what I thought it would be. <laughs> you, you have to be inside, my man. The magic. Oh uh, no, nah, you were no, nah, you're right. It ain't it ain't it ain't nothing. It ain't worth talking about. Texas Live, however, I don't know if y'all got to hit that up. That's the spot. But uh, no, I guess with COVID and everything, probably wasn't even open. Um, so I do got to ask you a question about being the Sunday guy. We actually did a poll for our podcast. We actually had a lot of interaction. Um, me, Daniel, and then our other host, Randy, we all picked what we felt were our favorite uniforms. Uh, and I went with Ole Miss Powder Blues as mine. Daniel, were you the Tennessee Smoky Grays? Yes, and then Randy was the Mississippi State Blacks. And so, anyway, uh, the Powder Blues took it. And so, with that, you being the Sunday guy, uh, do you love the Powder Blues? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, some of the guys on our team, you know, me included, sometimes get a little sick of it because, you know, everybody loves it and everybody always wants us to wear it. Uh, but, I mean, you can't deny it. it's like the coolest looking uniform in, in college baseball. Like, come on. And so getting to like throw my first start against Louisville freshman year in them and then, you know, that being my main jersey for the for the first two years of my career here, it was it was sweet. Yeah. Now, it's funny, uh, you know, as, as my daughter calls them, the boomers, uh, the old the older cats, they don't like the powder blues or the blacks or the grays. The very three that we picked, they think they all need to go. It needs to be traditional or whatever. And it's like, no, it brings yeah. some flair, some flash uh, to the game. So. I'm a fan of all three of them. Oh. Yeah, me too. The the smoky grays are sweet. The blacks, whatever, but the smoky grays are sweet. So you said you struggled, you know, after that, but you know, I, I looked down the list and you had some some big SEC wins. You still had some some pretty solid performances. Um, you know, what was your favorite performance last year during the regular season? Um so I was coming out of the pen for a couple of weeks and this was right around the time Gunner was starting to, you know, feel like he might've had an injury. And so uh, we were set to open up against LSU that Friday, whatever Friday it was. And uh, I showed up early, all the pitchers that aren't starting that day show up four and a half hours early to the field and we run a little bit. And then we have our team meal four hours before. So I was there four and a half hours before and I was getting ready to run and coach B came running out of the tunnel. He was like, diamond, uh, we don't need you running. You might start today. And I was like, all right, cool. And like, you know, I hadn't done my 
I don't have any crazy routine, but I hadn't done any of my normal, you know, start day daily routine. I was like, shoot. All right. Uh, whatever you say. And so about an hour before the game, he goes, yeah, Gunner's not throwing today. You're going to, you're going to start. And, uh, I think it was the, my longest start of the, of the year. I think I went six and two thirds or seven innings and, uh, through good, um, you know, I forget what the line was, but they're really well uh, against a, a pretty good offensive team with, you know, Cruz and Jordan Thompson. And, uh, you know, they have a ton of vets that were on the team, too. So it felt really good to come out and, uh, you know, not know I was going to get the start and throw well. You know, since I was at that series, uh, you know, even though you're a pitcher, uh, what was it like to watch your teammates come back from nine to one in that in that third game? We needed it, man. We we're about to get swept. Uh, <laughs> And LSU honestly wasn't doing very good at the time. Uh, I think that was kind of the time they turned around their season mm -hmm. and got going. They made it to a super, so obviously had a good end of the season. But uh, they were, like, you know, way below 500 in the SEC when they came and played us. And uh, we dropped the first two games to them. Even though I threw well, we ended up losing that Friday game. Uh, it was a low-scoring game. They beat us by, you know, one or two late. And then Saturday, um, you know, one of Doug's rare, rare losses. Mm -hmm. And so Sunday we come out, we're like, man, we can't get swept by LSU, dude. Like, we need to play better. So we go down nine to one. It's the eighth inning, and everyone's just like, what a waste of a weekend. Uh, but then a couple freshmen stepped up big. TJ McCants came up and hit a nuke to center field. And I'm glad you brought that one up first because you could feel the momentum and Swayze change off that one. Yeah, and you can feel the momentum in Swayze. Uh, we got great, unbelievable fans, but when you lose two, when you lose Friday, Saturday, and then you go down nine to one, people aren't cheering that loud. So uh, we got a few base runners on. TJ came up, uh, you know, part of his great freshman campaign, hit a nuke to center field. I forget if that tied it or brought us within one or two, um, but this was all in the eighth inning or later. We came back nine runs in the eighth inning. Some, and then, somebody, uh, somebody. McCants was a grand slam. Somebody else hit another one to tie it up because the shout the, it was raining. It was it was definitely a shower. And what what was interesting is you know Leatherwood is is my closest friend on the team. And so when he was being pinch hit for by Kemp Alderman, you got to like in my mind real time. I'm like, really, man, you ain't got my boy out there. And then Kemp hits the walk off, and it's like, okay, coach, you know that's why you're the coach of the team, and I'm not. You know, do your thing. Uh. Kemp had struggled. He's one of the, he's probably the most talented hitter I've ever seen. Got the most juice for sure I've ever seen. He hit one off the scoreboard today in BP. Uh, and the scoreboard, if you've been to Swayze, is way back in left field. Mm -hmm. Nobody hits it off that thing. And he hit it off the black part, not even the base. So just an absolute monster. But he was uh, he was really struggling freshman year. Um, you know, just a normal freshman struggle that some guys go through. And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm tight with him, and I was, I was stoked to see him get an A.B. And, uh, man, he, he stood up there and flicked his wrist at the ball, and it went 420-something feet to mm -hmm. the opposite field and left the, left the park in about half a second. So uh, great moment. Yeah, and you say something to me about being a baseball fan, and Daniel obviously told you I'm an LSU fan. And I sat there with the Ole Miss fans all around me, and I enjoyed and took in the moment, even though I watched my team lose, because watching the showers and watching, you know, them mob camp and everything, you know, they 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 talk about the love and, and the romance of baseball. Like, it's it was poetic, man. The showers, the crowd that, you know, the ones who didn't leave, who stuck around and supported you, and then watching the team just get so excited and fired up. 
Like it it was fun to watch. And like, you know, obviously my team lost, but it was just one game and to to watch y'all come back from that and do that, it was uh it was just something to see. And you know, it's one of those things that I was not upset even a little bit and I enjoyed it with the uh with the oldest fans. So it was cool to be at. But uh, you know, the next thing I want to ask you about, um, you know, we talk about Swayze and we just talk about the momentum and the environment. So what it, was it like your first time, you know, y'all are hosting regionals and you see that place packed out and it's just absolutely electric. I mean, what is it, what is the feeling like? Uh, you know, that was probably my most, uh, that was probably the start I was most nervous for all year. Um, once Gunner went down, I kind of became the Friday guy. And so I was opening up and we were playing SEMO, uh, Southeastern Missouri. And, you know, they weren't as talented as some of the SEC teams I faced, but it was the playoffs. And I knew at any moment we were two losses away from our season being over. So um, it was one of the games I was more nervous leading up to. But when I came out and saw Swayze packed, I was like, man, why would I be nervous when they're cheering for – I got – 10, 11,000 cheering for me. And then this uh, SEMO guy, they had a stud actually going on the mound. He was really good. But I was like, they're all cheering against him. Like, I ain't going to be nervous. And uh, turned out a, a decent start. And uh, we won the game and ended up winning the regional. So it was just, uh, I mean, our fans are unbelievable. It's like, it's like nothing I get to experience out on the West Coast. And, you know, that was part of the draw for me. Um, you know, after, after I was dropped by Stanford, I was like, man, I want to, I got an opportunity to go somewhere cool. And, and so I went on, you know, visit to LSU and a visit here. And I said, uh, the SEC is a different level, like just a complete different level. And, uh, I'm ready to play there. Well, we're fixing to get into the upcoming season, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you, uh, I, I sent Kendall Rogers, my predictions, and I got y'all and Stanford in Omaha. So now that I know this story in a perfect world, you'll get a redemptive shot at them. Ho hopefully it'll all come back around to pass my brother. That's damn right. But, uh, you know, so obviously y'all lose to Arizona, but you know, we, we, You've mentioned Gunner numerous times. Broadway has to take the mound. You know, Broadway's a two-time guest. It's, you know, he just talked about the whole mentality, and you even talked about you've came out of the bullpen. It's just, it's just a completely different thing. It was a tough thing to ask, and with y'all, without y'all having um, Gunner there, you know, it is what it is. You know, injuries happen, and so y'all come up short, just short of Omaha, but one game. Um, but here's the thing: coming in this season, and the first thing I want to ask you about because it's the most talked about thing. Your whole lineup returns. Best batting lineup in baseball. Nobody can debate it. Anybody who wants to doesn't know anything about baseball. Um, you got to come back. So you as a pitcher, knowing that you have those guys behind you hidden, I mean, how much confidence does that give you coming into this season? A ton. I mean, easy, easy answer. Uh, they are the best offense, 100%. You're right about that. Um, and, uh, you know, it gives us confidence, but it also gives me a little edge. Like, we've been ranked in the top – five by a couple of publications but the first one that came out about a month or five six weeks ago uh had us at 19 and you know obviously uh i wasn't named the friday starter then but i was planning on it i knew i was going to be i knew i was going to be starting you know game one and i was going to lead the staff and so it was a hit to me i said man everyone knows we got the best offense in the country they must be saying our our, our staff sucks so mm -hmm. um it, it it gave a little edge um 
but then at the same time knowing you have Kay Graham and uh, Tim and Peyton and Dunhurst, all Leatherwood, all hitting behind. I mean, me. you just list the, the I mean, it, the list feels like it never ends. And then you got guys on the bench who can step in immediately. Like it's, I mean, the the lineup is so deep. Yeah, I didn't even say TJ and and Jacob, but I mean, yeah, it's so. gonna be it's gonna be tough to pitch to it. And you know, it's a good thing that our staff, which is younger and a little bit more inexperienced, got to pitch against them all fall and all spring, uh, because you know that's the best. You're not gonna get better than that. So it's good good team to practice against. Yeah, no, I think there's some maybe unfair criticism because you do lose a gunner and you do lose a Doug and you do lose um, a Broadway that people automatically just assume the pitching isn't going to be very good. And I think that's unfair criticism just because such high level guys went, but you guys have been a part of the program. Y'all are all developing. You're always, you're all getting better. And then, like you said, you talked about the youth and the youth are going to be the guys that they don't know. But I got to watch Riley Maddox. I got to watch Hunter Elliott. I got to watch Luke Ellis, you know, living in this area pitch. I know the young studs that y'all got added into what you already had. And so um, I feel confident in y'all staff. And so with that, you know, you talked about being named the, the opening uh, day starter Friday night. You know, you got Charleston Southern coming to the house, you know. Uh, first, I got to ask you how excited you are, and then and and Daniel knows where I'm going to go next. You know, IOTB guest Peyton Mills is now at Charleston Southern. You're not going to let you're not going to let our boy who's is known for hitting bombs left and right. You're not going to let him go yard on you, are you? No shot, no shot. I was already uh, I was talking to my boy Chofe earlier, and um, he asked me how I was feeling. I was like, man. Uh, the nerves are kind of out of me already. Like the, the last few days, I'll say like, you know, there's nerves and it's natural and it's a good thing, uh, but they're really gone, man. I'm going to get to play at Swayze. Uh, I'm going to get to pitch. Um, I'm coming off a few uh, good, good outings in our, in our inner squads. I couldn't be more ready. Uh, I know our offense is going to go off. So it's just like, uh, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. You know, I can't wait to play Charleston Southern, but then I can't wait to get in the SEC. And once we dominate the SEC, I can't wait to get to the playoffs and win a couple games in the Super Regional and get to Omaha finally. Yeah, I mean, I've been predicting y'all to go, and and everybody likes to throw at me that y'all have had the talent for the last few years, but you haven't been able to get over the hump. And, you know, obviously you as a pitcher, that's why I asked you that question. I, I believe y'all's pitching is is more than capable, but I just I just can't get past that lineup. I, I just don't see how – it doesn't matter what pitching staff in the nation you throw at them. I, I just don't see how this team can't be good enough, especially if y'all's pitching staff – you know, obviously y'all want to be stellar, but I mean, even if y'all are just solid, you know, I, I don't see how you're not there. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's like, uh, last year we won three out of five against Vandy and they had Kumar and, uh, lighter. So it's like, we're just stacked. And then even if a guy goes down or, or two, we got two or three to replace him. So, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch us hit this year. You know, Derek, we, we talk about it you know, all the time, you don't have to win every game. You just can't lose series. And you guys have the offensive capability to make it extremely tough for teams to beat you once, much less two times. And I, I, I agree with what Jim's saying. It, it's it's going to be tough um, for, guys, for teams to, to take two or three from you and to really, like, just flat out beat you because you swing the sticks well and you got arms for days. So, Man, it's it's going to be an awesome season. I, I I feel like you guys are poised and ready, and you know 
you know, when you go to Ole Miss, you know what's at stake every year, and, and the expectations aren't going to change. And I think you guys are buying into the fact that, yeah, we, we know what is expected. Now we just got to go out and do it. And it looks like Friday night, my man, you guys get a chance to open it up and, and go after it. Um, the start of, of hopefully a, a, a big year, man, for you guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, like you guys are saying, totally. We have all the pieces. We have all the dudes. Um but I mean, it's no, it's no secret to us that we have had pieces and dudes the last couple of years and we haven't been able to get over the hump. So honestly, uh, you know, that's a, that's a focus of ours. Um, we know that it's, uh, it's something we're not proud of the last couple of full seasons we played. And, um, we feel, uh, well, one of the things that we do great here is we keep our sights set high. Like you guys are talking about the, the expectation is Omaha whenever we're doing a drill in practice and, you know, we're screwing up, it's not the coaches yelling at each other, but it's like us older guys yelling at whoever's screwing up. Hey, look, you know, we're going to be playing in a super regional and we can't have that happening. So sites are set high. Uh, we got all the pieces and, you know, we're ready to take the next step. You know, uh, Daniel, I don't know if you saw the interview clip that I sent, and I, I think Derek will appreciate this. When in regards to the SEC West, uh, Coach Jay Johnson from LSU referred to it as Rocky Four, basically when Rocky and Ivan Drago – um, are fighting and he says the SEC West is going to be a 15 round fight it's going to be a slugfest it's going to be back and forth back and forth and it's going to be all about who can finish it when it all matters most yeah I mean 100% I got to uh last year really felt like my first season because I didn't play in the SEC at all freshman year and going through the gauntlet of the SEC is uh it's ridiculous. It's uh, it's tough. And it was the first time I really saw adversity playing baseball last year. Um, and uh, it was a learning experience, man. It's not for uh, people that aren't tough. It's not for people that don't love the game. So uh, we're going to uh, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a 15 round fight, like you're saying. Yeah, I think, you know, before we move on to our game and we let you get out of here, I, I think it's safe to say that when you make it through SEC play, you are prepared for anybody that's going to be thrown at you in a regional or even a super regional at that. And with that, like, I, I feel like, you know, you guys, you know, it, any team really in the SEC, if they make it out of that tournament and make a regional or even host a regional, they know they got a really good shot because they played the best of the best and they're battle tested, you know, so to speak. So, um, you know, I, I don't know how much coach puts emphasis on just, you know, you know, winning the SEC, but is there an emphasis on winning the SEC or is it we need to play well enough to, to get into the regional? Yeah, it's uh, I mean, with Coach B, it's about winning series uh, like like you were talking about earlier. It's about winning series, um, taking two out of three. Uh, and he, he's not shy about being honest with us and telling us, look, we play in the best conference. And if you win 15 games and go 500, it's a good year. And, uh, you know, obviously, all, all us guys on the team are pretty tight. And so we talk about and we know that, you know, if you win 15, you got a good chance to get to the postseason. If you win 16, it's a better chance. 17 wins in the SEC is almost a lock. And after that, you know, you're looking at a national seed. Um, so 
that's part of the beauty of the SEC. That's why kids like me from the West want to come here because you play the best. Uh, there's no other experience like it. And so you're exactly right. When we see, you know, anybody in a, in a regional or a super regional, it's like, you know, we've played a team better than you. Well, yeah. Daniel, I'll tell you this before you, before you play the game, I've circled all the series that I believe per everything. Cause I've done a write-up on all the SEC teams. I think two of the top five series are being hosted in Oxford. And it's obviously y'all in state and y'all in Tennessee and, and you get those in your house. And so obviously, I mean, I don't got to talk about state, but you know, Tennessee, that's going to be a big one for you because you know, the bats are in that lineup. And so um, look forward to seeing you go against them and then obviously hosting state. I mean, it's going to be electric, but um, those are the ones I got circled. And uh, you know, you have the luxury of having those, obviously you got to do a lot of hard series on the road, but those are, those are two big ones. I'm really excited to see Tennessee. You know, they came uh, – they were kind of on fire last year and we never got a chance to play them. But uh, it's going to be a fun series. Don't let don't let Drew – you know, he's a guest of ours too. Don't let Drew Gilbert bat flip on you, man. Don't do not do it. Don't do it. Because <laughs> he will do it. <laughs> no shot. No Dar- shot. Derek's going to toe the rubber and go, I wish he would. Mm-hmm. I-, I wish he would. Mm-hmm. No, Derek, man, it- it's been a blast and – before we let you run, let's play a quick little game. We play with every guest. It's called this or that. You down to play? Yes, for sure. All right, man. So it's very simple. I give you two options. All you got to do is pick one option or the other. You just can't say both and you can't say neither. You just got to pick one. Go let's with do it. it. Let's do it. All right. Next, the, the first question right out of the gate is a question. To be honest, I don't know why or how it got so popular, but, you know, for about 10 episodes now, we've been using this question. It's become a survey question, and it's been a hot-button issue. But I'm interested to see where you stand. Is a hot dog a sandwich, yes or no? No. Is a hamburger a sandwich, yes or no? <sighs> yes. <laughs> see, I... I, I I'm with you on the hot dog, on the burger. I still think a burger is its own classification. I think Jim, on the other hand, feels like it's between two pieces of bread, so it's a sandwich. Yeah, I, I think that's the difference for me. The hot dog is one piece of bread, the, the, the burger is two. Yeah, between two, between two buns. Daniel, I'm going I'm to interrupt your game, bro, with breaking news that just came across social media. Our guest right here is ranked – the number 63 overall draft prospect by the new D1 draft prospect list. Of course he is. You, you, you surprised by that? I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I think, he, I think he should, I think he should be higher. I think he but, should be. But you know, I respect D1 baseball. There's a lot, there's a lot oh. of ones I don't respect in the, and so I've been waiting on theirs to come out and it came out. And so there he is. He's yeah, got six, but, he's got six teammates that are within the, the top 100. So. Man. that's awesome man it's it's good to it's it's cool to hear that obviously uh you know honored to be on the list but uh i've been ranked in lists since you know senior year now and not trying to sound like a d-bag or anything but you you you, you can't even listen to them you know whether it's your team's ranking it's, it's, or your still own ranking. Ni- it's still nice though that they believe in you let me ask you a question before daniel continues on who do you think's the top prospect on y'all's list For draft prospects this year, mm-hmm. uh, got to be Dunhurst. It is. Okay. Yep. Okay. Correct. All right. Go ahead, Daniel. All right. So, Derek, would you rather be the smartest person in the world or the richest person in the world? 
richest. Mm. What's the Smart first thing people. you buy? What's the first thing you buy? Uh, hey, I'd give it away, man. Charity, I'd give oh, it away. Oh, my man. Uh, smart Come people on. seem like smart people got got are, are upset. They know too much. The world's a messed up place. They know about it too much. Oh man, I want to be a simple guy. You know, I'll I'll buy a big old farm with all my money and raise animals. But and, you just said you're giving it all away. So how are you gonna buy your farm? <laughs> uh, just enough for the farm. That's all I'm keeping. So he's he's just gonna take what he needs. And, but I mean, he's and, no and different. Be content. Than- He's no different than Austin Riley. He came on here and said, I just want to buy some hunting land and some new hunting gear, and I'm good. Yeah, bingo. Smart people got too many problems, man. They know too much. I just uh, I want to be simple and happy. Hey, I, I think we can all, all respect that for sure. It, in your world, is the glass half full or half empty? Uh, half full, always. So I, I want you to, to think. So you, you – we can't, you know, the audience can't see your reaction, but the reaction was like, what the hell kind of question is that? Of course it's half full. So I guess I need to give context to the question. So when people's glasses that are half full, they're very positive people. They believe like, you know, they're going to be able to fill their glass up. When you believe your glass is half empty, that means you're a pressure person that wants that pressure because you're running out. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I can follow so I'm going to start giving a little more context to that question because I think it is an interesting question to ask because there are some people that are like, yeah, put me in, in the ninth bases loaded. And, and, and that's, I want the glass to be half empty. I want to, I want to go out there knowing like there's no room for error. I want, okay. I want to go out there and do my thing. So I, I'm just a class is half full person because I'm negative period. <laughs> I, I i constantly gotta fill this dude's glass up just just a little little bits at a time the energy giver we need we that's, need you guys that's right baby all right next question would you rather spend 10 years in jail or i'm sorry five years in jail or 10 years in a coma five years in jail or 10 years in a coma five years in jail oh my god that's taylor broadway cellmate mm. yeah I, if I'm missing, I love living. I love living. If you're in a coma for 10 years, you're that's, you're missing out on 10 years. His, uh, his team is pretty split. You had Elko said the nap. Gonzalez said the nap. Let's see. Van Cleve said the nap. Leatherwood said jail. Y'all are pretty split down the line. Yeah. Hey, I, I, I think, uh, I mean, jail would suck, but it's an experience. <laughs> Look, I'm going to tell you what. When you, when you get my age, Derek, you realize what you're good at and what you're not good at. And I know for a fact I'm not good at jail. I, I wouldn't be, and I'm I'm refused to want to find out. So give me the nap. Give me 10 years, and when I wake up, I'll, I'll figure it all out. But, um, you know, yeah, we, we've had guys come on here, and, and some you're like, okay, I could see you – taking the jail and being okay but most i'm like eh, I, I i i don't believe it hey i respect it i respect it i'm taking i'm taking jail with you you're good all right cool me, so me, me jim and broadway there you go y'all y'all tear it up or get tore up one or the other but at least i'll <laughs> be together all right so last last question um and it's a, a friends or money question so 
Would you rather be the first pick in the MLB draft? But the caveat to that is you got to get rid of all your friends that you have now and never talk to them again. Or would you rather be the last pick in the draft and keep all your friends? Let me, let me, let me preface this now by saying the difference last year in the draft between those two picks was about $8 million. <laughs> uh, man, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a people person. I'm a homie person. My homies have been my homies for life. I, I can't switch up on them. I'm, I'm going last. Cause I know I'm still going to get to the bigs either way. That's a, that's a, that's a solid answer. But if somebody asked me that question, Jim's been my best friend for a long time. And guess what? <laughs> I'd buy a new one. <laughs> Straight up. Everybody All always right. says, friends, you're good. I, one, one day somebody's going to step out and say money. I don't know who it's going to be. And, and, my, and, and my computer screen is going to explode when that happens. <laughs> you, should make, you should make it hard. You should say, uh, you, would you rather be the first pick and lose your friends or not get picked at all and career's over? That would be a oh, tough Oh, Daniel, he just sets you up for the rest of the season. There you go. That's a good one. I wouldn't know how to answer that. I would have. I don't. I don't know what I would have said to that one. Oh I'm man! Gonna... And hey, and you and you know what, Daniel? He's setting up a Mississippi State player for that question because that's the next baseball player on deck. Right. Nice, nice. Jim, make a note of that in the rundown. I need to add that, and we're gonna Are call you... it Doctor D's question. You, you're obviously familiar with Preston Johnson, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, so that's the next guest. You just set him up for the be the first one to take that question on. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Can't wait. Can't wait for this. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. All right. Daniel, do you just say that opposite to everyone, to the answer that everyone says, or was that just me? I, I probably say the opposite of everything. Like, if you were to really ask me friends or money, I'm going to pick my friends. Like, I, I'm not that vain. He um, now he usually says the opposite except coma or jail. He always says uh, no. coma. He'll never tell you jail no. or lie to you. J- jail is it, it ain't for me. And, and I'll go on every record known to man and tell everybody and scream it twice on Sundays from the mountaintop. I'm not going to jail. Not doing it. it I can tell me. that was an honest answer. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I, I try to be honest. And I was honest about, you know, hot dogs being in their own category and burgers being in their own category. All right. Um, Derek, man, it's it's been, you know, a good interview. We've had a, a lot of good insight. I um, hope we got a chance to tell your story the right way, um, the way that, you know, would make you proud. But, man, is there anything you want to plug or promote before you get out of here? Uh, nothing, man. Just got to give a shout out to my little sisters. I know they'll be listening. Devin, Lindsay, love you guys. Mom and dad, you're the best. Uh, and, uh, Go Rebs, man. Hopefully you see a pack Swayze on Friday night. That's what's up. I mean, that right there, for all of our guests listening, that's how you end an episode right there. You give nice. a shout out to the people that matter the most. But I will do you a little bit of justice. If you want to follow Derek, go to Instagram at dr.derek. That's Dr. Derek, D-E-R-E-K. Or you can follow him at Ole Miss BSB. That's Ole Miss BSB. Follow the Ole Miss baseball team. Derek, man, if there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. Reach out. We'll be more than happy to help you out. You know, plug or promote anything that you got coming up. And by all means, have a great season. Stay healthy. 
and go kick some ass this Friday night, man. And hey, and for those who don't know, Daniel, because, you know, it's funny. People don't just Google stuff. They always, like, want to ask on social media forums, like the Ole Miss forums. SEC Network Plus is what the game will be on. That's Bingo. it. Four, four o'clock on the dot. Don't be late. Derek, enjoyed it, man. Have a great season. Beautiful, man. Thank you guys for having me on. Uh, it was a pleasure. Thanks. I appreciate everything. Yeah, man, that's Derek Diamond, everybody. If you like hearing Derek's story or you just like hearing us average Joes talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, your comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. You can see us next week. We got episode three coming at you. LSU soccer star, Rami Noel. This has been the End Off the Bench Podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, great and grind all the time. We're out.